0: Welcome to the Washington Union Alliance Church podcast, an archive of our recorded sermons. We're a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. For more information, go to wuac.org. This morning we began a study of an intriguing passage from 2 Peter, so I invite you to turn your Bibles to 2 Peter so that you'll be ready second uh, peter uh, the title for the larger study or series is seven qualities of transformational faith this scripture itself from second peter chapter one resonates with me as it gives us practices that we can go into and dig deeper into our relationship with god through jesus so let's think about uh, these seven qualities and thinking of who am i uh, Let's move on to then the next slide with the scripture verse. Listen to the promise just of verse 8 here. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that a nice verse? If you do this in increasing measure, if you keep these qualities, if you practice these qualities in increasing measure then we can have assurance that we will not be ineffective uh, in our life or faith. So uh, we look forward to digging into this. Practicing the qualities keep us from being ineffective or unproductive. Uh, That's sort of saying from the negative, but also look at it from the positive. Practicing them will help you be effective and be productive in your walk with Jesus, in your life of faith. In your life itself. So let's read the passage. 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going to begin with verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. And before we read, let's advance to the next slide, which represents the teaching of the passage. It shows these different characteristics, uh, and we'll just leave that slide on for the rest of our time. 2 Peter chapter 1 beginning with verse 1 Simon Peter a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts and lives. Again, verse 8, if you possess these qualities in increasing measures, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask a question that has stumped great minds for centuries. which came. First, the chicken or the egg. Now, without getting too philosophical, you need a chicken in order for the egg to be laid. But without the hatching of a fertilized egg, you wouldn't have any peeps. The chicken and the egg go together. So that's why we have this conundrum, which came first. They just are together. And that's all we can really understand. There's another common phrase that says we should not put the cart before the horse. Now, that's not seemingly as philosophical as the chicken and the egg, but still it's important. Uh, Sometimes we get more enamored with the buggy uh, than we do with the horse that's pulling it. But without the horse, the buggy has no power. In our faith relationship with God, we sometimes get confused and try to put the cart before the horse. What do I mean by that? We forget that God first entered into a covenant relationship with the children of Israel at Mount Sinai, before he gave the Ten Commandments. Covenant first, response of faith and obedience, the trust and obey, after we come to know God in covenant, in, His, in faith. We have a tendency, tendency to think that somehow we must live a certain way before God could possibly love us, that we have to somehow earn God's love for us, which is impossible. We think maybe if we do enough good works, even like the seven qualities that we have listed here, if we do that well enough, then God will love us. But you see, that's putting the cart before the horse. We forget that the scripture tells us in Romans 5 verse 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still enemies, Christ died for us and gave himself for us. <clears throat> In chapter 1 of 2 Peter, Peter speaks a lot of the qualities we should uh, diligently develop in our lives. And we could easily misunderstand his point because we get so caught up in this is the thing, this is the checklist that we have to do. That's sort of our nature. We think we have to somehow earn our way into God's favor. Now, Peter does say we're to give ourselves diligently to the Christian life But he also very, very clearly proclaims that God is the author and finisher of our faith. Look at verses 3 and 4. Verses 3 and 4. His divine power has given us. That's an important word, given. And then in verse 4, through these he has given us. This comes from God. This is his gift. This word, he's given these to us. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Verse 4, he's given us his very great and precious promises. Who gave them? God. God gives these things. It wasn't something that you made happen or that I made happen. Uh, Rather, it was given to you by God. These are his gifts to you. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, "...for by grace you have been saved through faith." Uh, it is the gift of God. It is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of work so that no one can boast. It's not about us, not about what we have done, that somehow we have put God over a barrel and that He somehow has to now love us or He has to now, you have to answer our prayers because we did this for you. No, it's about relationship with God. God reached out to us first. We love Him because He first loved us. God Himself is is the author and founder of our faith. So please don't get the cart before the horse. Without the gift of God, without His divine power at work, there's nothing that we can do to find or earn forgiveness for our sins. And without God's gracious gift of salvation, uh, these seven qualities that we see on the screen, even though they are nice and that they are good, by themselves Uh, they would only be the cart without the horse to energize them. We need God's work. We need God's power. We need to live in relationship with God. Do you know him? Have you placed your faith in him? As Peter addresses these truths, he has a way of identifying who we are who are believers in Jesus. We can say, well, we're believers in Jesus. That's an easy name. But who are we? Who are you? How do we get to know each other? When we apply for a job, we prepare a resume to introduce ourselves to our prospective employer. Uh, We give information about our education, our job experience, abilities that we might have that could be an asset to the company. Uh, We're wanting, in a sense, to sell ourselves at least to get that interview so that we can see if we can become a part of that company. Uh, Soon, our church board will be receiving pastoral resumes as we look for our next lead pastor. In addition to the regular things on most resumes, the pastor may include some general information about his family. Uh, Also a brief summary about how he came to faith in Jesus himself, because that's a very crucial item uh, for us to know in our pastor of his own walk with the Lord. But also he may share other ministry priorities and values, and then we can sort of get a feel for it. Does this person line up with where we are, uh, and can they help lead us forward? So we try to get some of that information from resumes, and then we go deeper in interviews. When we're getting to know someone, we usually ask some questions that are pretty easy to start off with, and they're almost always more of a surface uh, nature. Uh, There was one time I introduced myself to a new school bus driver. I'm a school bus driver during the week, and I said, oh, Dave, I haven't met you yet. Uh, um, my name is Phil. And he said, oh, my name is Steve. Oh. <laughs> I thought I had heard Dave at some point, and so I, I stumbled. Uh, but then we got over it. Uh, sharing names. Hi, my name is Phil. What's your name? Uh, where are you from? Some of you, if you listen closely, will detect a southern twang in my voice, and you can know that I'm from North Carolina. Uh there are times though that we've been on vacation as a family with our young children down in Florida and people heard us talking and they come up to us and ask what part of Pittsburgh are you from. You know, we have a definite way of identifying uh people, but still that's sort of surface, isn't it? In terms of where where we're at and where we're from. You know, knowing some of the stuff about the Pittsburgh region, the the toughness and the grit uh that's involved, uh that has some factor, but Still, that's not telling about who we really are. Uh, so we, we want to know something more. Uh, what do you do for a living? How many siblings do you have? Uh, where'd you go to school? Those kinds of things. Now, those are easy questions that just really touch at the edge of who a person is. But the Apostle Peter in this passage is taking us deeper. He's going beyond the surface and Down deep. Down deep. Because he sees things about believers that the people of the world have missed. You remember uh, the old commercial about transformers, the little toys? Transformers more than meets the eye? Because they become something different. And those who know Jesus are more than meets the eye. Because Jesus is changing us on the inside and making us into his own image. That we would become more and more like him every day. Through God's divine power, the lives of believers are being transformed. They've been born again. They've been made new. Uh, As an old gospel song says, things are different now. Uh, Something happened to me when I gave my heart to Jesus. Things are different now. I was changed, it must be, when I gave my heart to him. Things I loved before have passed away. Things I love far more have come to stay. Things are different now. Something happened that day when I gave my heart to Him. Second Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things are new. Because of God's amazing grace, we have been made new. By God's grace, we are not who we once were, but we are who we are becoming through the transforming power of Jesus. During my uh, college days, I was uh, sort of enamored with calculus. I know some of you think, that's really dumb. Uh, Well, calculus isn't dumb, but maybe my love for it was. Uh, But the exponential equations, things to the 10th power, the 4th power, whatever. So this next part, just to help me out, I think of it as P to the 4th power. P to the 4th power. If you could picture that in your mind, that P and then the little tiny 4 up higher. P to the 4th power. There's 4 P's that I'm going to point out in this passage. Uh, Boy, that was a long explanation, wasn't it? To say 4 P's. Uh, So we look at this. Our first P is found in verse 3. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. All that we have in our Christian faith is from God. It's not from our own strength or ability. His divine power has given us all we need through the knowledge of our relationship with God. He says His divine power has given us all that we need through the knowledge of God, our relationship with Him. God called us by His glory and His goodness, or other translations there say excellence, excellence. Our trust in Jesus was not accidental as if we somehow were walking along one day and just thinking about things and suddenly stumbled over something and, oh, we found out about Jesus. It's not an accident, but rather God in His love and His grace has reached out to us. He has sent people into our lives or events into our lives to bring us face to face with Him and to learn of Him, that He loves us and cares for us. It's not accidental. He planned this. It's His intent. It's the purposeful plan of God through which He is calling us to experience His amazing grace. Now in verse 4, we see the other three Ps. Uh, Through these, God has given us His very great and precious promises. Two of the Ps there. So that through them you may participate there's the third P, in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So connecting verse 3 with verse 4, uh, we can see that God's own glory and excellence, you know He's given us all things so that we may know Him through the knowledge of, of God, through, by His calling of His own uh, goodness and excellence. Then, because of that, he has given us these things, these precious and very great promises. So he says these promises are precious. And he's not just talking about a sweet, sentimental emotion like, my precious. But rather, I know some of you are thinking of other stories that go along with that phrase. Sorry about that. But uh, he's talking about precious as highly valued like a precious, unique gemstone. When you only find one that looks like this certain gem, it has great value. So he's talking about the precious value. Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. The precious promise of salvation, the pearl of great price. The promise of salvation is dear to us and most precious. This is the precious that God is giving to us. Precious and very great promises. Now, note that these are promises. They're not paychecks. Uh, These are not wages, but rather they are promises. The promises of God are gifts from His heart, not concessions wrested from Him by our own union negotiators. We don't have to do that with God. He loves us and He reaches out to us. Through these precious and very great promises, we may become partakers, partakers of the divine nature. Not that we become divine, but rather that we are given a new life and a new nature in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away and now the new has come. He's making us different on the inside. Uh, We take off the old self And instead we put on the new self. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 22 to 24 says, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and instead be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We go back now to verse 4 saying that we have, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So that by God's divine power, we are saved from the corruption of the world. Not that we have the power to overcome sin in our own strength, but that God, through His indwelling Holy Spirit, gives us the power to say no to sin, to say yes to God. The divine nature doesn't surrender to sin. It doesn't give in to sin, but rather it rises above. It stands up in the power of God, in the newness of life in Christ. As partakers in the divine nature, we say no to sin and evil, and yes to God and all the things that are good and excellent. In intent of heart. Lord, help us to choose the good, Help us to choose that which is right and holy and pure in your sight. Lord, give us your power and your strength to turn away from sin and evil, the things that are tearing us apart in our world. Help us to turn away from those things and instead turn to you. Peter, the great apostle, had a spiritual awareness that the regular person was blind to. He could see beyond the physical to where he could sense supernatural things and people. He saw the people in a different way. He could, uh, along with those who had placed their faith in Christ, Peter recognized their new, true identity, who they were in Christ. They were saved from their sins by the power of the blood of Jesus. They were made new by the transforming work of Jesus. They were empowered by the divine nature, the Spirit of God living in and working in us, drawing us closer and closer to Jesus, uh, making us more and more like Him. Outside of that divine power, we would be hopeless and helpless. But because of God Himself, we have new life. Because of God, each person who has trusted in Jesus can say these things about themselves. I am a new creature new creation in Christ Jesus. I am a child of the King. I am a sharer in the divine nature, one who is longing to to live as Jesus lived, uh, one who is following Jesus and his teachings from the depths of my heart. This is who I am. I am not a victim of my circumstances, but rather a transformer of them by the power of Jesus living in me. These are the four Ps. Power, precious, promise, partaker. These are all foundational to our walk with God. And on that foundation, we give ourselves to build a more effective faith. A faith that bears fruit in our lives. And we do so through adopting and leaning into the seven qualities Of transformational faith that we see before us on the screen and next week we'll begin to lean more deeply into them I go to a number of high school basketball games and the friend that I go with one time was talking about one particular player we had watched him from when he was a freshman until he got up to being a senior and the transformation and the I mean the skills and the abilities of this guy The friend said, imagine the amount of hours of practice that this guy has given to get so good. And I agreed, and then I added that as a young person, I gave myself hours and hours and hours of shooting the ball at the basket, shooting the ball at the basket, doing different moves and all that kind of stuff, uh, trying to, uh, to be better, but never came anywhere close to this kid's accuracy. Practice is very important, but so is talent, coordination, innate ability. In the Christian life, there are those who work really hard trying to do what is right, trying to turn away from sin, trying, I'm trying, Lord, I'm trying, but they struggle again and again. Yes, practice is important, but ability must be there. And we're not able on our own. We need Jesus. We need the power of His Spirit working in our lives so that we can say yes to God and no to sin. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? Have you come to the end of your own strength, your own ability, your own efforts in trying to live the Christian life that you're going to say, God, I can't do this by myself. I need you to say, Lord, would you come by your Spirit, fill me with your Spirit so that I can live for you. Have you surrendered to God's divine power through the Holy Spirit?